Welcome back to the Bible Brush Up Podcast. Today we are continuing our journey through the book of Isaiah, and we wanted to take a look at a very familiar passage to many of us, and that is Isaiah chapter 6. And some have called this the call of Isaiah, because it is here that there is a dialogue between the prophet and God about going and the message that will be communicated. And so as this uh, chapter unfolds, Isaiah receives a message from God that he's going to take to the people, which if you think back a couple of episodes, we talked about what a prophet is, and it is someone who delivers God's messages. And so we get a very clear picture of that message being communicated to Isaiah, who then will take it to the people. Uh, but there is evidence that he was prophesying prior to this event. Um, but certainly this is a turning point in his ministry, a very important occasion, and it is very transformative for his ministry. But it says that this all took place in chapter 6, verse 1, in the year that King Uzziah died. And I think understanding who Uzziah was is important for understanding what happens in this chapter. If you would look over in um, the book of Second Chronicles, chapter 26, we read about Uzziah, who was a very good king. He did a lot of great things, and he grew in power and strength. But at a certain point, he grew so strong. In verse 16, it says, But when he was strong, he grew proud to his destruction. And then it goes on to talk about how he did some things that were not approved by God. For one, uh, which I think is very important for understanding chapter 6 of Isaiah, is he goes into the temple and he burns incense of his own accord. It's not something that God has told him to do. It's not something that God allows him to do. Um, this is similar to Saul's downfall. Saul made sacrifices that only priests were allowed to make, and it cost him the kingdom. And now Uzziah goes into the temple, and he is burning incense to the Lord. And Azariah, who is the chief priest, he comes in, and he says, you can't do that. And Uzziah gets mad at Azariah, and what happens is God curses Uzziah with leprosy, and he is driven out of the temple, and he has to live in isolation until his death. And I think we almost see the opposite of that with Isaiah here. Now, why is Isaiah in the temple to begin with? Some speculate that he must have been a priest. We don't have a lot of background information on him. Um, but it certainly seems that perhaps he had a priestly duty, and so he is in the temple. And sometime during this year that Uzziah died, he gets a vision uh, from God. It, it's his glory on display. It is a, an experience with God that the typical Jew did not have, and much like the typical Christian doesn't have the Damascus Road experience that Paul gets to have. But there are a few people throughout history that get this encounter with God where they can walk away and say, I've seen God. Now, John chapter 1 verse 18 tells us that no one has seen God, and there are other places in Scripture that indicate that no one has seen God, for one, because God is spirit, and so you can't see with your eyes something that the eye cannot behold. But there are manifestations of God where he comes and clothes himself in some form in which our eyes can behold. Uh, Jesus Christ was one of those, by the way. But 
when he does so in this scenario, it, he is clothing himself in a similar fashion to what he clothed himself when he encountered the people at Sinai. We see the same type of smoke and fire uh, on display, and the foundations are shaking in verse 4, and that's what was happening on Sinai. It was shaking. And so just as Moses is up there on the mountain and experiencing God, and he talked to God face to face as a man does to his friend, and whatever he saw and whatever he experienced is similar to what Isaiah is experiencing here in Isaiah chapter 6. And it says, the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim. Now, there's a lot of discussion on the different type of angels. You can get bogged down in angelology. And there are cherubims that are discussed uh, throughout Scripture. But seraphim appear only here. And so some have tried to classify this as a, a complete category of angels. But when you look at the Hebrew word, what that word seraphim means is the burning ones. And so this could have just been an angel. It could have been a cherubim. Uh, but whatever it was, it was an angel that appeared to be on fire, and they were using fire in their uh, ministry to Isaiah as they're going to end up touching his lips with a burning piece of coal. And, and so that uh, brings us to this point that Isaiah, when he experiences this and he sees this smoke and he's feeling the foundation shaking, uh, his response is, woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Uh, that should be our response when we take a, a good look at who God is, when we get a, a realistic grasp of how holy and how awesome and how powerful and majestic God is. And uh, like everything else, we get overly comfortable with certain ideas. We get overly comfortable with the fact that Jesus died on the cross for our sins. We get overly comfortable with how blessed we are. And, you know, we take things for granted. We get overly comfortable with our relationships with our spouses. And uh, we uh, kind of lose sometimes that first love that we had in the beginning where there was a lot of emotionally charged feelings that uh, drove us to to act in certain ways that we no longer um, act like that uh, 30 years later or 20 years later. We just get comfortable and used to things. And for, to some extent, that's quite normal and okay. But when it comes to our relationship with God, we certainly can't do that. In fact, there's a church in Revelation that gets uh, condemned for losing their first love. Um, there is a rebuke on the table because they've lost their first love, and they have to get back to that. And so we have to get back to that. Just as Isaiah here, he knew who God was. He knew that God was holy. He knew that he was a sinner. But all of a sudden, he gets this experience, and he sees God, and he feels the ground shaking, and he realizes just how powerful God actually is, and all of his senses are filled up at this moment, and he cannot help but respond by just collapsing to the ground and saying, woe is me. It's over. I'm, I'm done. I am toast. Um, because he recognizes his sinfulness in the presence of a holy God. And we need to recognize our sinfulness in the presence of a holy God. When we lose sight of that, um, we lose sight of what makes our salvation so glorious and grand is the fact that God chose to save people that did not deserve it in the first place. And so Isaiah is at this point, and he recognizes he's just 
one of the many people in Israel that have broken the covenant with God. They continue to say things they shouldn't say and do things they shouldn't do and forsake the responsibilities that they're supposed to uphold. And he is overcome with fear. And so at this point, the seraphim comes to him. And and perhaps Isaiah at this point is thinking, oh no, I'm in the temple and I'm just as guilty as Uzziah was, you know, maybe I'm supposed to be here and he wasn't, but at the end of the day, we've all fallen short. We're all sinners. And here God is, and I'm in his presence. Am I going to be cursed with leprosy? Like Uzziah was cursed with leprosy. What's going to happen here? And he's just waiting for something to happen, but it takes a turn for the better actually, because a seraphim goes and grabs a burning coal. Now there's debate on where he grabs this burning coal from. Is it from the altar? outside of the temple where they would burn the sacrifices? Was it a coal from the incense altar, which would be ironic considering that's uh, what Uzziah was doing, was burning incense unauthorized. And so perhaps this was an affirmation of Isaiah's priestly duty saying, no, you belong. Um, Or perhaps it is a coal from the very footstool of God, we see this kind of thing in the book of Ezekiel when the cherubims uh, come down, they gather the coals from beneath God's feet and they go and spread them uh, out over the land. And and so there are different viewpoints on that. I don't know that it's that important, but uh, we know that when he gets a coal, the seraphim brings it over to Isaiah and he touches his mouth and says, behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. Now, I think one of the reasons his sin is taken away and his guilt is atoned for, for one, it's an act of God. Only God can remove sins. And so God has chosen to remove the sin of Isaiah here and to make him guiltless. Uh, That's not the response that God had regarding Uzziah. Uzziah, however, was very proud. Uzziah came in with a hard heart, and Uzziah did not admit his guilt. When he was uh, approached by the priests who said, you're doing this wrong, you can't do this, God has not allowed the king to burn incense. Only the priest could burn incense. His response was to get angry. But here Isaiah is probably not even doing anything physically wrong at the time, but when he experiences God's presence, he just collapses and he says, I'm done. I'm a sinner. And so there's a difference in the heart of Uzziah and there's a difference in the heart of Isaiah when we compare these two accounts. And uh, so all of this, when we read it, we see Uzziah has died and Isaiah is prospering here because God is going to use Isaiah. And Isaiah is going to be sent out into the people, whereas Uzziah, the king, was sent into isolation as a leper where he had no more influence. Someone else had to rule in his stead. Um, And so I I think we get this contrast going on here in Isaiah chapter 6. But then we get to a very important point where we get this idea of Isaiah being called or commissioned from God. And it says, And I heard a voice of the Lord in verse 8, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Now it's interesting that they use the plural when they refer to themselves, whoever themselves is, it's the Lord speaking, but he uses us uh, very much the same way as we see in Genesis when God said, let us make man in our image. And so some have 
um, suggested that that is referring to the Trinity, and it very well could be. Some have suggested that this is referring to the Divine Council, which would have been made up of those uh, seraphim and maybe cherubim and others. Um, so it's hard to say, but nonetheless, this is a decision that is being made by um, multiple persons, and it's saying, who will go? Who will go for us? Who will represent us? And Isaiah, he stands up now and says, here I am, send me. And here's the message. God says, okay, you're going to be my prophet. Go and say this to the people. Keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. Make the heart of this people dull. Now, that's a weird message to come from God, right? We're used to God, uh, or at least thinking about God in a way that he always wants us to open people's minds and hearts so that they receive him and that everything changes for the better. But that's not the message that God is sending Isaiah with. He's saying, go make them even more hard-hearted. Go speak words to them, and it's going to make them even more spiritually blind. And Jesus actually uses this and quotes this. If you go to like Mark chapter 4, or Matthew chapter 13, where the sower and the seed um, parable is being given, when the disciples come to Jesus, they say, why do you speak in parables? And he quotes this. He says, so hearing, they'll hear, but not understand. And seeing, they'll see, but not perceive. Jesus was actually using parables to further harden the hearts of some, uh, whereas he was opening the minds and the hearts of others. And, and so it has a dual purpose, and so will Isaiah's prophecy. He's going to go, and it's not that everybody will be condemned um, to unbelief and to hardness of heart. There will be some who will respond, but it will be a minority. It will be what the Bible calls a remnant. And, but most people are going to hear Isaiah's message, and they're going to scoff at him. In fact, tradition says that he's going to get sawed in half by the end. Um, and so they do not take his message uh, with any kind of sincerity, without any weight. Um, they reject it as a whole. And so that was his ministry, and it's a tough ministry. And there are some uh, times we have to understand that God is calling us not to a ministry of fruitfulness, but to a ministry of faithfulness. And that's the very ministry that Isaiah had put on his plate, and that's the ministry we see him carry out. And so don't uh, despair if you don't see a lot of fruit. Perhaps you've been called to something else. But whatever you're called to, we're called to be faithful. We'll conclude there today, and we will pick up here next time on the Bible Brush.